0: All right, you can go ahead and be turning to James 4. Also, go ahead and be turning to Matthew chapter 6. We're basically going to split our time between those two chapters this morning. Um, And as you're going, I'm going to, I guess, apologize for what I'm about to do. I told a few people, I said, going into this sermon, I'm probably going to make all of us very uncomfortable, so I'm going to go ahead. and so, so here's the thing. One of the things that we're going to be talking about this morning is a lot of what I just prayed, a lot of what we just sang, that, that God would be sustaining us, that we wouldn't be looking too far into the future, thinking about what we're going to do, that we would be focused and present on, on who God is and what he's doing in our lives right now, so here's what I want us to try. I want us to be present. What's the thing that tends to keep us from being the most present in our everyday lives? You already know. Unless you are legally obligated to keep your phone on, I have a challenge for us. Pull your phone out, push that button, and slide to off. If the Bible app's on it, I would love to point out that we have some hard copies right here for anybody that needs them. (laughs) What if you take notes? Who needs a piece of paper? We got paper and we got pens. We got paper. Oh, Joe's coming around with a clipboard right now. Okay. All right. So here's the challenge. It's not just that it's off for now. Let's try to leave it off through lunch. Ooh. Ooh. Because yeah. grown-ups are on their phones too much. Yes. Right? All right. So, is everybody sufficiently disconnected? Okay, hands-free, hand check. No, I'm not going to do that. But you know what I mean. Okay. So, here's the thing. Cuz here cuz here's what we're talking about this morning. The 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 big picture is that that God is what sustains us and God is 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 who is is in control of everything always now and into the future. And, and we should be able to, to remain present and focused on who God is and what he's doing at any given moment and not be, be thinking too far into the future, distracted by what's to come or what's happening around us, that sort of thing. That's, that's the, that's the bottom line of what we're talking about this morning. Because, because we're going to continue to have this discussion that James has been having about, about worldliness and how loving friendship with the world leads to, to us acting as though we are God. We begin to feel sufficient in ourselves. We begin to think, I can take care of myself. I can take care of things. And this pride can well up as we become too close to the world, right? This idea that we become so close to the society around us that we're looking for all of our identity in, in what's going on in our lives, and what the world thinks of us, and how we relate to the world, that we begin acting as though we are God. Now, I'm going to put up one verse that we read last week. This is James 4.11, which says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges a brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And James is, again, he's just kind of reminding us, man, if you start acting like the world, if you start acting like you know better than what God has instructed for you to do, you're basically saying, I know better than him. And what is that, to say that we know better than God? It's pride. It's arrogance. It's this idea that, that I know better than my own creator. And we can get so distracted by by the things that the world is saying around us. We can get so over overwhelmed by this need to have to be made complete, I guess, by what's going on around us. That we think I have to do all of these things so that I can feel all this acceptance so that my identity. My identity can be filled so that my, my 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 words tank or the 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 positivity around me those things that I feel satisfied by. I can feel because, because I'm doing the things that I know I have to do to make sure that the people around me really like me. And unfortunately, the, this mentality easily overtakes our lives in other areas, and that's kind of what we're talking about today. So if you're still in James chapter 4, uh, we're going to read verses 13 through 17. And James says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and, and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. So much of what James is talking about here is that that thing that we were just talking about, that arrogance that wells up when we begin to see ourselves as sufficient, as able to do all these things for ourselves, able to, and in this case, make our lives a certain way where we're going to, oh, tomorrow I'm going to go make all these really smart business deals, and I'm going to make all this money, and everything's going to be great, and we're all going to be happy. And it's really easy to say, well, aren't they just exercising good business sense? What if God gifted them with the ability to, you know, just make wise business decisions? But... But the thing is, it's immediately contrasted by this idea that what you should be doing is saying, if God wills, I will be doing this thing, implying that the very nature of what's being practiced in what James is talking about is a rejection of saying, I'm trusting what God wants, I'm seeking God's will, and instead, I'm going to go try to make a profit in this area, I'm going to go try to do this thing, and oh, and by tomorrow I'll have all this, and by then I'll be able to buy that Lamborghini. Or by then I'll be able to do that thing. By then I'll be able to, to put that pool in the backyard. Or by, the, whatever it may be. Whatever that whatever that, that dream thing is, that, that, that life thing, that thing that you can identify and say, see, look, I have arrived because I have done this thing. I've built myself up in this way, and now I have X, Y, or Z. But what James is trying to say here is, All of that, all of that is is neglecting the fact that that it's what God wills that we should be seeking and it's what God has for us right now, what it is that God is calling us to in this moment. It should be what's really defining us. We should not be thinking too much about tomorrow. Like I said when I said let's turn off our phones, it's like we should be present in the idea constantly that God is in control, God is working out a specific plan in our lives and we should be obedient to whatever that, that calling is in the moment. Because God's plan doesn't stop today. God's plan doesn't pick up tomorrow. We don't get breaks from God's plan. God's plan is constantly working in our lives and we are constantly being called to continue to pursue it. So when James says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil, so... Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. We hear this idea of of the sins of omission, like not doing the thing you're supposed to do. And that's kind of what James is speaking about here. He's like, if you're so interested in what you're going to do tomorrow and the amazing things that you think you're going to do to pad your life and make yourself feel more comfortable tomorrow... If you're, so, if you're so lost in thought, and, and I have to admit, I'm one of the worst of these. My, my personality type is one that's like, oh, that's a fun, shiny thing that I could chase after. Oh, that's a fun, oh, there's another thing over here that I could, and, and I do this. Because A, I'm wired that way and I have to fight that. And B, everything around us is a shiny thing that we could go after, right? Everything is like, that's the next thing that I could get or that's the next thing that I could do. Our whole lives are built around social media and things showing us, hey, this is a cool thing. This is a cool thing. Hey, look at this picture. Look at this thing. Look at this thing you could own. Look at this thing you could buy. We're constantly being bombarded with this kind of language. Look at what look at what you could have if you, if you planned ahead, if you worked toward that thing. And I'm not trying to say that it's wrong to have a car or it's wrong to have a thing or it's wrong, whatever that may be. But if the dominating forces in your life are what's driving you to attain that next level thing. If you're looking ahead saying, I'm going to go over here for a year so I can make a lot of money and buy this thing. What James is saying is, you are forgetting that God has something for you to be doing right now. And by not doing that, you are being arrogant and you are in sin. And that's, and that's a, a hard calling for us to really live out today because nothing in our society encourages us to just kind of stop and be present and focused on the will of God in our lives. He calls us to be focused on his will even now. We're going to come back to this in just a second, but Matthew six thirty four says, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more about worrying about tomorrow in just a second, but, but I, I want us to focus on this idea that our God is our God right now. He's the God of now and he's the God of what's to come and he's always been God and that hasn't changed. But our focus can can get taken away. We can can lose sight of what it is that he's doing in our lives even now or what it is that we're called to even in this moment because because we have this other thing that we're working toward, this other thing that's important and we forget to to be focused and aware of what it is that we're called to even in this moment. Maybe Maybe you have experienced that before where you're like, well, I can't, I can't serve in this way right now because, well, I've got this thing that I'm working toward that God's called me to and I, I have to do that so I can't really be focused on this right now when God's saying, here's an opportunity right in front of you. I don't know what that may be. It's probably different for everybody, but I'm sure there have been plenty of times where we've become distracted by other things that are out there or, 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 or the fun of chasing after those things. And it's taken us away from what God has for us in this moment. Our God is a God of right now. And he's also the God of the future. So we can leave that part to him. And we can trust him in that. And we can ask him what it is that he has for us in the future. But but all of these actions, all of these things that James is teaching against is, is leaving out that step of saying, is this what God wills for me right now? Is this within what God is calling me to? And specifically within here, James is beginning a conversation. We're going to be in this for a couple of weeks. Um, He's beginning a discussion about defining ourselves by our wealth. And, and the difficulties of having wealth and difficulties of maintaining wealth and the difficulties of taking wealth and keeping it present within the Christian life. And, and you're, you should still be in Matthew chapter six, but, but Jesus spoke specifically to the troubles of having wealth in the Christian life. In Matthew six nineteen through 21, he said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is a completely different mentality than what we see in our society day to day to day to day to day. It's how much can you get? How much can you do? How much can you buy? How much can you own? Do you have a Lamborghini? Do you have a pool? Do you have a... Right? I'm not ashamed to admit, over the last few years, I really have fallen in love with watching HGTV. Judge me if you want. But those before and after pictures are pretty amazing. The Property Brothers feel like my bros at this point. Like, like I feel like I know them. But what is all that doing? It's all just tempting us to say, I could have this, I could do this, I could... Right? Right? And we're thinking about what I could have now. And what Jesus is saying is none of this matters. What did James call it? He said, your life is a mist. None of this right now is ultimately what matters. What matters ultimately is, is who you are in Christ and what it is that you are doing for him and in his will even now. Now, here's the thing. And I think it's worth saying, we all have different relationships with wealth. Some of you might be thinking right now, oh, that whole don't store it for yourself, treasure on earth, I am nailing that right now. Like, like I got, I got nothing, so I'm good. So I, I'm checking that box. But here's the thing. It also speaks to a mentality of what is it that you truly desire? Like, sure, you may not have much right now. You may not have much presently, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that it can't still get into your thoughts. It can't become something that dominates part of who you are as a person, the desire to have those things, the desire, or, or, it, or it leaves you feeling sad and broken and unfulfilled because you don't have X, Y, or Z. So I don't want us to think, well, that verse can't really apply to me because, well, I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I don't have, the, you know. I don't want us to think that it still can't be helpful teaching to us because, because most of what we're talking about is, is kind of a a life approach to these ideas. This idea of desiring to go make something for yourself or desiring to have lots for yourself comes from within, and that's a heart thing. That's a, that's a matter of where our heart is and what it is that we're being driven toward. Instead of saying, I trust that God is going to provide for me and I, I'm, I don't need to have all of these things so that I can be satisfied, but rather I can, I can look to him and know that he is going to provide for me. And also within this 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 mentality that is so present within our society, I think, I think a lot of that is what contributes to the... And I don't know if you've noticed this. I don't know how often you, you get on social media. You won't be on social media through at least lunch today, so that's good, so you won't have to face this. But one of the things that, that is so prevalent in society right now is just how easy it is to become a victim. Perhaps you have occasionally felt like a victim, or perhaps you've seen somebody who, who, has, who has said, I am a victim in this way. And I'm not saying there are not victims. But this idea that our identity is wrapped up in what people say or what we have or the fact that we don't have means that that somebody has done something evil against us loses sight of the fact that God has a plan that he's working out in each of our lives and there's a specific reason that he has us wherever he has us. And that we are, in fact, none of us our victims, if we have nothing and we have sickness and we have death and we have pain, we have frustration, all of those are the things that we deserve because those are the things that were the result of sin entering into our world. That is, that is what we should expect within this world. Now, some people, God has blessed with health and some people, God has blessed with things and some people, God has blessed with any number of things, but... Um, I think this same arrogance can contribute to this, this, this pride that I'm going to go make something for myself, I'm going to have something, and then I'll be great because I did these things. But it can also contribute to I deserve better because I should have this, 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 or this. And because I don't, man, either God's mean or society's mean or whatever it is. And I think all of that is still an outpouring of this arrogant sense that can be within us. We only need what God gives us. James doesn't want us to look too far into the future to, to to, say, I'm going to do this thing, and this is what's going to be great. He's saying, you got to remain focused on what God's will is for you now. And this can manifest in arrogance, but it can also manifest itself in worry or fear, which, which Jesus speaks to in Matthew chapter 6, just a few verses after that. And we're going to come back to where we were just a minute ago. Matthew 6 this is verse 25 and I'm going to read through verse 34. He says, "Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not are you not of more value than they?" trouble. And so what Jesus is trying to say here is, in kind of the same way that James is saying, he's like, if you are too worried about tomorrow, you have lost sight of what God is doing now. If you have so much fear about what's going to happen, well, this could happen, so I have to guard myself against this, or this could happen, or, or I might not be able to afford clothes, or food, or lodging, or whatever it may be. What he's saying is, God takes care of his creation, and he will continue to take care of you in whatever situation you may find yourself. He will give you the things that you need. And that may be hard to believe sometimes. That may be hard to see sometimes. But but what he's saying is, I want you to trust that I've got this. And that is so difficult to do. Because, because to say, I'm going to trust that God is going to take care of this. I'm going to trust that God is going to be able to take care of my tomorrow, and I'm going to be present in the now and focused on what God has called me to do in this moment. To do that is to let go of control. To let go of saying, I, I can take care of this, or I can guard myself against this, or I can protect myself against whatever pain or discomfort or thing that I'm afraid of He's saying, he's saying, trying to think of some ludicrous example. He's trying to say, and I'm not saying you shouldn't like put out a rat trap if there was a rat in your house. But he's almost—it's almost like he's saying, quit surrounding yourselves with rat traps just in case a rat should come near you. I'll take care of it. I'm not saying you shouldn't put out a rat trap again. It's a different conversation. But like. But like don't overguard yourself against something that could go bad because all that energy that you're putting into protecting yourself from the what if, all the all the time and attention and the work that you're putting into building up, maybe I don't want to go against like other biblical like money manager guys, but if but if the encouragement is, you gotta go build up your nest egg so that you got this and you're protected from this in case this should happen and you're worrying about all this, and you're putting all of your effort into saving up all your money so that should something happen to happen in a couple months, you're going to be able to survive for this amount of time. What are you doing with all that time that you're putting all that effort into it? That's, that's the idea. That's what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 6. That's what James, I think, is focusing on in James chapter 4. He's saying, you are putting too much effort and leaving, leaving your faith that God will provide from you out of the conversation, and in the end, it's weakening your ability to be an effective member of the body of Christ. That's the idea. So, what should we do instead of getting ahead of ourselves? First, you got to admit that you get ahead of yourself sometimes, right? We need to look at ourselves, we need to really inspect our lives and say, where am I too focused on protecting myself against something bad in the future, trying to make something great of myself in the future, And, and in doing so, I'm letting go and letting loose of what God is calling me to right now. We have to look hard at our lives and say, do we do these things that Jesus and James are speaking about? Do I look ahead and say, I'm going to go do this for a year and this is going to give me these resources and then I'm going to be able to do this. Then I'll be able to be effective or then I'll be able to have all these things. Do we do that? Or do we say, I'm going to trust that God's going to continue to provide for me. God, what is it that you have for me right now? Because that's the second thing. We should seek the will of God. He even goes, and I'm just going to remind us, he even goes so far as to say, Verse 16, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do, the right thing to do being what he said in verse 15, asking for what God wills. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. We need to go so far as to recognize that to not seek the will of God in everything that we do, in every decision that we make, as we move forward through our lives, is sin. Because for every action that we take, and we're not seeking the will of God in it, we're saying, I know better, or I don't need God to help me make this decision, or I can figure this out on my own. And if we think that, that's a, that's a, that's a ludicrous thought for us little created sinful beings to be thinking. To think that we don't need God. To think that we don't need Him to be at work in our lives. To be think that we don't need Him to be guiding our every single step. Because I don't know about you, but oftentimes, when I start stepping on my own and I start thinking, I know what I'm going to do, this will be great. It doesn't work out nearly as well as when I stop and I say, God, is this the right thing for me? Is this the right thing for our family? Or is this the right thing for the church? It's really easy To make snap decisions and say, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, or I'm going to do that. It's much harder to wait on God to move and God to tell us what it is that we should be doing next. Because, Because here's the thing. Again, our society is fast moving. Everything is right now. If I want to learn something, I could learn it right now. Well, actually, it would take me a lot longer right now. I could not learn anything new right now. My ability to learn has been limited because I turned off my phone. I can learn nothing new anymore. Because this is how we learn, right? Right? I don't know that. I want to see. Oh, who won the Super Bowl in 1978? Does anybody know that off the top of their head? No, you don't. You know why? Because you don't have your phone turned on. Probably not. I don't know. You got a 1 in 32 shot. It Probably. I'm not trying to get this into a football discussion, but... That being said, our society is so fast-moving. We, we train ourselves. Oh, I need to know something. I can know it now. Oh, I want to make a decision. I can do that now. I want to buy something. I can do that now. I can even pay for it with my thumbprint on my phone. Or I can pay for it by looking at my phone. I don't even have to use the effort of lifting my hand to come touch my phone anymore. I can look at it, and it will buy the thing for me. And Amazon will have it on my doorstep in less than two days. If you live in a major metropolitan area, you can have it in two hours. Like, like this is what we're moving toward as a society. And there's no amount of stop, wait on what God is doing right now and and move as he calls us to move. It's all, I got to do it now, and we don't stop and think about what God's willing us to do. And so we, as the church, should remain focused on who God is, what he is doing and trust that he has us. And that may be the hardest thing of all. Maybe you can convince yourself to to stop and slow down. Maybe it wasn't as painful for you as it was for me to turn off your phone and to think that you don't get it back for another hour or hour and a half. Maybe you can handle that. But to actually trust that God has you and to live our lives in such a way that he's going to take care of our today and he's going to continue to be our God who's going to take care of our tomorrow. And we don't have to think about all the inevitabilities or all the things that could possibly happen. Or all the things that, that we could face. Or what if this bad thing. or what All of the what ifs. And I'm not as much of a what if guy, but I know some of you are. Some of you are what if people. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? Some of you are more likely to be terrified about the future and some of you are more likely to be so proud of what you're going to be able to do. Like, those, like these two things that we've talked about probably hits everybody in here. Either you're, I'm going to do something great about me and I'm going to go take care of it and I don't need God, I'm good enough. Or some of you are like, I'm terrified of what the future holds and i got to do everything I can to protect myself against it. Both of those need to remain presently focused on who God is and what he's doing. And that's why I say that is the hardest part. So in just a second, as I pray, what I'm hoping is that you are praying and inspecting what is present in your own life, how are you you negatively practicing these things that James or Jesus have in front of you, that's one, and two, I hope you are praying and saying, what level of faith do I have that God's got me, and how is my life demonstrating that? Because you may, you may have some intellectual understanding. Oh, yeah, I trust Jesus. But does it look like it in your life, day to day, that you are trusting him every step of the way and that you are hopeful that whatever it is that you're facing, you know that he's still got you and it's all part of his plan. Let's pray. And so, God, I pray that you would be at work in our hearts, Showing us where these areas of sin are present. Or where the areas that we're, we're not acting and as a result are in sin are present. Where we're not seeking your will or where we're demonstrating such great arrogance and, and pride in our, ourselves and our own abilities. Or, or, or maybe our, our pride is manifesting itself through our belief that only we can, can plan out well enough how to protect ourselves from the, the pain and the evils and the discomfort that, that the future has for us. God, all of, that, all of that is pride, and all of that demonstrates a disbelief that you are sufficient for us. And so, God, I pray that you would show us in our own lives, show us where these areas are in our hearts that we need to... We need to let go of our fear or let go of our pride and be focused and present on what it is that you have for us right now. What it is that you are saying to us to do right now. And so God, if our hearts need to be softened or strengthened or, or whatever it is that, that we each need to be able to um, so beautifully model this level of faith, um, God, I pray that you would be at work in changing our hearts now to best reflect that. Because God, I know that, that the way that we live our lives as the church is one of the greatest demonstrations of the gospel that we have. And so God, I pray that for those of us who are here, for those of us who, who are part of CRC but maybe are not here today or listening or whatever it is, that God, you would be at work in teaching us how to model this this unwavering faith that you have got us right now and into the future. And God, I know not everyone in here is saved. Not everyone in here is demonstrating that. Not everyone in here even understands what faith actually looks like when it's present in our lives. And God, I pray that, that the fears of the world, the anxiety or the, the pride that's present that says, I don't need God, I don't need Jesus, I don't need salvation, I pray that you would break that down. I pray that you would soften hardened hearts. And God, I pray that you would be at work now um, filling them with faith so that they can see that this is the one hope that they have, that you are the one true hope. You are the one that our faith needs to be in. God, I pray that you would. Bless the time that we have coming up now. I know it's, it's one week, and it's, it's more of a silly example, but God... I just pray that that this week during lunch, during this time that we are together, we would be present and focused on one another and loving one another and building one another up and encouraging one another and enjoying being together as the body of Christ without any distractions. So God, I just pray that you you would work in our hearts in a mighty way so that we can best reflect who you are and that our reliance is solely on you. In Jesus' name, I pray.